0: Good to see you guys. So good to see you. Uh, this morning we we are finishing up our week of a uh, couple weeks of prayer and fasting, but a lot of us have been fasting this week, and I hope that's been hope that's been good for you guys. Uh, I know God's been speaking to a lot of us. He's been speaking to me, and we're gonna we're gonna break that today with communion. And uh, because of COVID, we're we're having to do these. I really don't like these self serve communion things at all. And, uh, and so I'm breaking my fast with a piece of styrofoam, which is not the way I would prefer to break my fast. But, uh, but I am thankful that we're here together as a church family and we get to recognize who Jesus is and what he did so that we can be whole. Uh, before I get into the message today, uh, I do want to give honor where honor is due. And tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day now this is a man who found ways to stand in peace to see racial reconciliation uh, he said this darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that meaning jesus is our only hope without the lord we can't get this done and i'm completely convinced that it is most important for the body of Christ and the church to get this right and so I'm thankful that we're in a church that understands the value of every person, no matter what their ethnicity their background I'm thankful for that, uh, but I think we should pray that that the church would be the church and step up and and do what we can do to make sure that there's peace so Let's just pray real quick together. Father, I thank you that when we get to heaven, there's going to be every color under the sun. And we're all going to worship you for eternity. And so our prayer is simple. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives, in our church, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. And today, I want to talk to you about the discipline of simplicity. So I don't, We start handing out bulletins again. I don't know if there's a lot of room on there to write a lot of notes, but well, I want you to find a pen if you can, because I, I, there's some things that I think this is a very, very practical teaching today. Uh, I also hope that some of you are wearing your steel-toed boots, because I'm going to step all over your feet today. Uh, here's the goal of the discipline of Christian simplicity. You can write this down, to uncomplicate and untangle my life so I can focus on what really matters. The good thing is is that Jesus modeled a very simple life, even though he walked into a very complex and convoluted culture. Uh, In this culture, there were so many different religious groups, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Zealots, the Herodians, not to mention that this is all happening under this tyrannical empire, the Romans. Okay, and And what was complicated mostly about the spiritual atmosphere was religion. I want to just let you know religion complicates things. It is not what Jesus came to give us. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us relationship. But at this point... They're still under religion. And so with this, they had a system with 613 different laws. They had 248 do's, like you better do this, and they had 365 don'ts. You better not do this. So like one for every day of the year. And this is why this was complicated. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and he simplifies the complex. At one point, a religious leader comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important law? In other words, he's, he's trying to set Jesus up like there's 613 of these. You try to tell me which one's the most important one. And of course, Jesus, he's God. Uh, so he's pretty smart. And this is his response. Matthew 22, verse uh, 37 says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I want you just to contemplate each one of those steps. I know there's plenty of times in my life where I'm not loving God with all of it. All of my heart, all of my emotions, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my thoughts. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then the second is equally. Everybody say equally. Okay, so this is important. It's not just loving God. What is equal, what is equal to loving God is that you love other people too. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And then he dropped the mic. Have you ever seen the show Hoarders? I don't even know if it's airing anymore. Anybody ever seen the show Hoarders? Okay, um, it'll motivate you, I think. Uh I, I, this, these are extreme cases. Okay, this is like a real psychological issue. Okay, I, I, I may or may not have a couple of these people in my family, and, uh, and but they have a tendency to just collect stuff now, and typically it's on theme. Okay, so they will collect specific things, and 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 it's really based on a lot of fear, and insecurity. OK, the, the worst hoarders of all are the food hoarders the, because they, they it's not like they have huge refrigerators. Right. So they just have all this food. So it's just nasty, rotten food everywhere. I will say typically these people are cat people. I'm just throwing that out there like these. I mean, psychologically, like the stats would prove that I'm right. I don't know if that's true or not. I just, you know, I like taking jabs at cat people. Well, here's the deal. We may not have that kind of clutter in our houses, but a lot of our lives have that kind of clutter. Our souls have clutter. Our values have clutter. Our calendar, lots of clutter. Our minds have lots of clutter. Most of us are overwhelmed and distracted and impatient. And we have lives that are so cluttered we cannot walk with God. We can't love people the way he would call us to love people because we can't love him the way that he would call us to love him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so this word yoke, it's not like, like an egg yoke, it's different than that, but it's also different than what a lot of us and even myself thought it was for a long time, because Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. And as a rabbi, a teacher, what the teaching of a rabbi was referred to was his yoke. The message, lifestyle, and teaching of a rabbi is what all rabbis refer to as their yoke. Okay, it also happened to be this wooden beam that you put across an, axon's, an oxen's shoulders that you hooked up to a plow that allowed them to do the work, okay? So there's, there is this metaphor and this metaphor is that, that when it comes to a lifestyle, when it comes to a message, when it comes to a teaching, that there is a burden that comes with that, okay? But with most of the rabbis at that time, their yoke of teaching and lifestyle and everything else drove people away from the, the message of grace and love. It drove people away from anything that was godly because it was oppressive and it was religious and it was mean. But Jesus had a different yoke. Jesus wasn't offering this complex complex or or long set of rules and rituals and regulations, he was offering grace. A simple relationship with God. I love the message translation, the commentary on this verse. It says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's an invitation to walk with God. A life of simplicity brings freedom. It makes us available. Okay, does Jesus offer an easy life? No. You can't escape humanity. You can't escape the burden of work and toil, the sadness of death. You can't escape the failures of imperfect people. But Jesus does offer an easy yoke, a better way to carry the weight. The weight doesn't go away, but there is a better way to shoulder it. So, the big question is what kind of example is it to the world if God's people are overworked, tired, burned out, wounded, distracted, and unavailable? Like, what is it about being a Christian that the world's like, wow, that looks. Super chill and fun, peaceful. I think we have an opportunity to let God reorder our life. So here's some choices that you can make to have a more simple life. First choice is choose minimalism over materialism. This is about our stuff. Matthew 6, 19 says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal them. Anybody ever been robbed before? It's like one of the most violating feelings in the world, but one of the reasons why it feels so bad is because we are so attached to our stuff. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So minimalism means that you're going to declutter your world of useless possessions. And why, why that's important is because it frees up time, energy, resources. And that'll always help your walk with God. The idea is this. You buy things for their usefulness not for status. There's this great quote. This is a book that I read back in Bible school called The Celebration of Discipline. We must really understand that the lust for affluence in contemporary society is psychotic. It is psychotic because it has completely lost touch with reality. We crave things we neither need or enjoy. We buy things we do not want or need to impress people we do not like. Man, there's so much truth in that. So I think a good thing to do is just ask why before you buy. Examine your motives. Be very keenly aware of the lies and deception in marketing and commercials. Okay? Like, Every, com- every car commercial, perfect, beautiful people driving away into these perfect, beautiful places. That is not gonna be any of us. <laughs> so, so be aware of that, but ask yourself, what is the true cost of an item? The true cost. For example, let's say you buy a boat. How much Will it really cost you, like gas, maintenance, insurance, etc.? How much time will it cost me to clean it, or winterize it, to maintain it, all those things? How often will I actually use it? Am I a boat guy? Where will I store it? Extra garage, dock, marina? How much value will it truly add to my life? How much energy will it cost me? What will this do to my pace of life? Will it help me enjoy God more? Walk with God better? Well, I believe it would, so I think you should give me your boat and then store it and maintain it for me. That would be, I think, God's plan. (laughs) That's the first time Cody's ever amen that loud. Proverbs 62, 10 says this, and if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. Minimalism doesn't mean you don't have stuff. It just means your stuff doesn't have you. It doesn't mean we don't buy things. Simplicity and minimalism just puts possessions in their proper place. Number two, choose time over technology. This is about our attention. Some of you are like, oh, here we go. He's going to give us screen time limits. How many of y'all give your kids some screen time limits? If you're not, praying for you. You know what I don't like? I don't like my screen time notification. The primary reason why I don't like it is because it happens in the middle of worship, this service. It's like I'm doing good, engaging with God. I get a little vibrated on my... My watch, I think it could be important. So I look and it says, you're a loser. You spent this much time on the screen this last week. I hate that thing. I'm going to turn it off. The truth is this. We only have a certain amount of time and you cannot make more time. In the words of the great philosophers, DC talk, time is ticking away tick tick ticking away it's ticking sorry i just i could get carried away there but i won't it doesn't matter who you are how much money you have how much influence or anything else we all have 24 hours a day psalm 90:12 says this teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom So some stats. The average American spends 705 hours a year on social media. The average American spends 2,737 hours watching some sort of TV programming. And right now, because of the money that's generated through that, everything is being intentionally designed for distraction and addiction. Because that's where the money is. It's digital capitalism. Because a a company can get your money if they get your attention. Economists call it attention economy. Facebook's aim, quote, consume as much as your time and attention as possible, unquote. And our attention span is dropping. So that's why they're just constantly feeding you something else. You go down to your feed, you know, Alexa's listening to you. Siri's listening to you. They're sending you, like, if you you just ordered something on Amazon, it's all connected. They're going to give you five other options of other things that you can order that's just like it because your attention span is dropping constantly. In 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. Now, it's eight seconds. A goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. We are losing to goldfish. It's funny and scary. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Number three, choose priorities over panic. This is about your energy. What is of greatest importance to you? Uh, Typically, my worst moments, our worst moments, are when we are in a hurry and too busy. And hurry and love are like oil and water, they do not mix. We cannot love when we are in a hurry. It's impossible. Hurry kills gratitude, it harms relationships, it reduces wisdom and it misses opportunities and moments. That's why Jesus was never in a hurry. He always had time. I will say that sometimes hurry is a sign of something much deeper. Like sometimes we're running away from something. Childhood trauma, emotional wounds, deep insecurity, fear of failure. Or we're running to something, something that makes us feel good or accepted. It's important to identity. What are your priorities? What are your values? What's important? But the problem is if everything's important, then nothing's important. A lot of us have a lot of things that we say are important your priorities, if you wanna know what they are, it's easy to identify them. It's where your money and time goes. That's what's most important to you. I think some of us unfortunately have a lot of clarity and passion for the wrong things. We all have to-do lists. Anybody have a to-do list in here? Anybody? I think maybe it's time that we start having stop doing list. So I was thinking about my stop doing list for this year. Here's some of the things I came up with, things I've decided to stop doing. I'm going to stop watching news so much. I'm going to limit it to maybe just a couple of minutes a week. I'm going to stop spending As much time on social media, I'm going to limit that to a schedule, a certain amount of time. I'm going to stop buying as much coffee. This is going to be a huge challenge, but I really think that it would benefit my kids' college fund if I didn't buy quite as much coffee. I'm going to stop answering my phone on my off day. I'm going to stop trying to please everyone because I can't. And I'm going to stop trying to change people. It doesn't work. God changes people. I preach, I teach, I love. The results are up to God. Because if I don't stop doing these things, all of these things take time and they take energy. And I want to make sure I have time and energy for the things that really matter. Mark 8, 34 says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? That forfeit their soul? What does it matter if you make a lot of money but have no godly, trustworthy friends? What does it matter if you get your kids into the right school or into a bunch of activities but you've never taught them the ways of God? What does it matter to build a great name but your spouse feels distant and disconnected from you? What does it matter if you've mastered your hobby but you don't know how to walk with God. Number four, choose contentment over comparison. This is about our peace. Sometimes we care way too much about keeping up with other people, and social media has made this much more difficult. We're comparing ourselves to our coworkers, our friends, our families, friends from college, celebrities who are all curating the very best moments of their lives. And instead of being content with what we have, we compare ourselves to what others have. And it's like an identity crisis because we don't know who we really are. We just try to copy everyone else. First Timothy 6, verse 6 says this. Yet true godliness and contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. The goal shouldn't be to keep up with everyone else. The goal is how can I walk with God in the fullness of everything that he's called me to be. Contentment, enjoy what you have. I think Jesus, I know this, he wants us to be like little children. Now, I think the age of this is probably getting younger and younger, but I remember like when I was a little kid, I would open gifts at Christmas, and then play with the box. I had a different perspective on what was truly valuable and important. And I would just encourage you get back to a place where you can enjoy the simple things. Get out in nature. Most of creation is free to enjoy. It won't cost you any money to do it. Find clarity and focus in your life. Enjoy a great cup of coffee. A home-cooked meal around the table with your family without phones, a bike ride at sunset, a store around the neighborhood with your spouse, make memories with your family, have a biblical community that you're making memories with too. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is opposed to anything that gets in the way of you walking with him. Anything. And anyone. The message of Jesus is simple. Love God and love people. Be available for God and his church. Be available for your family, your spouses. Be available for your friends. Be available for your neighbors. Be available for your coworkers. Be available for the poor and needy. Hard to be available if you don't have any availability. Simplify, let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, it seems so revolutionary. In so many ways, it seems impractical. I'm sure some of us are feeling like it's impossible. Lord, I've messed up. There's certainly many areas right now that isn't in check. Like it could be. But I've identified in my own life where I where I start to slip. It's easy to see. It's any time I allow something to sit in the seat that was meant for you. It's any time I let something or someone take a higher position in my life than you. So, Father, We come before you in humility. And if we're not humble, thankful that you love us enough that you humble us. I pray that that wouldn't have to be too drastic for any of us. But Lord, if we can choose humility and we can come before you, We, we know that you're gonna help us. Lord, I know what you're not asking is for us to go home and just burn everything or sell everything. Or You're not worried about the stuff. You're worried about our hearts. There's just so much that steals our hearts away from you. There's some of you in this room It has to start there with a complete and total surrender of who you are and your heart to who God is. For some of you, that's a rededication of your heart, who you are, finding your identity again in him. For some of you, it's, it's never started. For some of you, religious stuff has always been there. The regulations, your view of the word being a lot of do's and don'ts. And that may be because you've never surrendered to him. You've never had a relationship with him. And I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. I believe that we're going to see a time when people run to the altars again. I believe that we're gonna see a time when people are banging on the doors of the church, desperate to be with God's people, desperate to be in his house. But I do know this, that any great move of God begins with individuals making the choice to live for him. And if you're here today and you're ready to make the choice, to live for him, to surrender your life to him, to find salvation in him. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything crazy, but I am asking you to do something crazy because what you did make the decision to do right now in your heart and you sitting there in your chair Will be one of the most countercultural things that you've ever experienced. Because it's going to mean that Jesus is your Lord. His word is what sets the standard of your life. And I promise you, if you can make the decision to do that today, you will never regret it. And the truth is that what All the rest of the world is so desperately pursuing and running after to try to find some some glimmer of happiness and fulfillment and still find themselves empty. It is only found. That fulfillment, that life, that peace, it's only found in the presence of your creator. If you're here today and you know you need to rededicate your life to him, surrender your life to him for the first time, nobody's looking around. But I'm just going to ask you, that as a symbol of your faith, as a symbol of you saying that that's you and confessing it's you, nobody's looking around. I want you to put your hand up right now with some boldness and courage and say, I need him. I'm away from him. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Thanks, bro. Thank you for that boldness. I got you, bro. I'm proud of you, man. Anybody Anybody else? I'm just away from him, and I need him. As soon as I see your hand, I just want you to know, as your brother in Christ, I'm praying, I'm believing with you. Anybody else? Okay. Praise God. So right there in your chair, uh, you can make a decision for him. i encourage you to go public with your faith. A great way to do that is through water baptism. We got an opportunity coming up for that for any of you that you've never gone public with your decision to follow Jesus but right there in your chair just say this to him just say God I'm a sinner <laughs> I know my sin separates me from you but I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me right now I ask for your forgiveness for my sin because I don't want to be separated from you but I thank you Jesus Jesus you didn't just die for my sin, but you rose from the grave so that my sin could be defeated, so that death could be defeated. My death, my sin is defeated because of you, Jesus. And because it's defeated, I also can live the life that you want for me. And so I, I'm, I'm done living for myself. I'm done living the, rest of the way the rest of the world says I should live. I want to live for you. I want to live according to your purpose. So help me. Help me by your spirit, God. Help me to have a passion and hunger and clarity for your word. Help me to be connected to the body of Christ in fellowship with people that will love me to enough to encourage me, but challenge me and hold me accountable to my identity in you. Thank you. I give my life to you. Father, I I do thank you that you're going to help us all if we choose to have some clarity, to have some clarity. I don't know all the practical steps that's going to mean for every person, but I do know that you've already begun to put some things in some people's hearts and minds that they can do. And I just pray that as those seeds are planted in our hearts and minds, that they would bear good fruit and that the deceiver and the destroyer would never be able to come and steal away the truth of it, but that we would act on it promptly and obediently, God, so that we can see your kingdom come in our lives. And thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.